This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. There's something magical about summer. School's out, baseball is in full swing, the days are long, the air temperatures are warm, and the fly fishing can be fantastic. It's really an ideal time to fly fish, but it requires attention to some unique dangers that are not as prominent as at other times of the year. Today, Dave and I are going to talk about a few of these dangers in hopes that we can stay safe and that we can help you stay safe as you fly fish during the summer. I think one of the first topics, Dave, that we ought to talk about is lightning. And uh, we've we've picked up some good tips from uh, Keith McCafferty of uh, Field and Stream, an article he wrote a few years ago. By the way, he lives in Bozeman. He's uh, the guy that's written some of those uh, fly fishing novels. But, uh, yeah, what, what are some of the things that he recommends or says one of the principles or, or insights you know, from people who chase storms and, and understand this is that most lightning strikes occur near the start or at the end of afternoon storms. Do you remember we That's were fishing the Bighorn yeah. at the end? It was at the yeah. end of that mm-hmm. afternoon storm that we actually yeah. had to stop That's right. and get out, of the, get out of the water when we were fishing yeah. the Bighorn several years ago. And I think that was around the 1st of, of, of August. So most yeah. lightning strikes occur near the start or the end of, of afternoon storms. I think that's just a helpful insight as you think about fishing and, and, and what time those storms roll in and, and, ready, and just being watchful. Kind of take your fly rod, uh, hold it high up in the air, the graphite, so you can kind of get a sense as to whether or not you're going to. You <laughs> you're know, trying to kill us. I, I really shouldn't joke about that because that, you know what, your your Winston or your Sage fly rod becomes a lightning rod in that moment, and uh, yeah, get, get a yeah. Get so away put from the it. Put, put the fly down. rod down. Yeah, Just put, put the down. fly rod down. That's hard to do. It but is. It's necessary. <laughs> yep. Get out of the river and put the fly rod down. Yeah. Anything else? You know because lightning travels around the outside of vehicles and metal sheds stay away from them unless of course you can get safely inside i mean if you're inside your vehicle you know it's it's sitting too on on you know rubber tires and and the lightning's going to tend to go around it so you're, you're safe there but you don't want to be uh, outside and near a vehicle or something metal like that i guess what you know what Keith and others recommend is make sure that you avoid tall trees, uh, get below ridges, uh, take cover in low shrubs. And, and this is something I had never thought of, David. It makes perfect sense. Uh, squat like a baseball catcher. And you think, well, why do that? Uh, well, first of all, you want to be low to the ground. Well, okay, why not just lie down? Well, the other thing is you want to touch as little of your body as you can. So about the only way to uh, to do that, I guess, is to uh, you know squat like a catcher. Yeah, see how that works for more than thirty <laughs> seconds, huh? Uh, That'd be a great visual of you I, out oh, there. Man, uh, uh... <laughs> oh yeah, or or of you. Come on. Hey Steve, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing over there? Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's right. Oh man, but you know it's oh good night. Oh, I'm trying to get that image out of my mind. Hey, get back yeah. here! But you know, I guess where it would come into play is if you felt kind of that 
you know, the hair standing up or the tingling on the back of your neck. Wow, if you're in that situation, a strike is imminent. Okay, so that that's when you'd want to you'd want to do that. You know, catch your squat. So here's an aberration. So a story. I have a, a good friend that I went to high school with. Her name is Mary, and she told this story to me about well, it was two years ago. She and my dad and I took a trip from Bismarck, North Dakota, to Montana to uh, attend the funeral of another classmate. I only had. 16 people in my high school class and uh, and Mary was one of them and, and Julie uh, Kellogg who had passed mm-hmm. away was one of them but anyway when she was about 34 35 years old she lived in a small town in in North Dakota Steel North Dakota and she was standing outside her car she had just rolled in after I think picking up her four-year-old son but it was a clear day and lightning hit us hit a tree probably 50 to 100 yards away and it radiated to the ground i don't know how That's it happened right. it always, it, lightning travels on the ground doesn't it and it, it hit her and, and literally oh, struck man. her and killed her she was dead and it, this is i know this sounds fantastical but it's a true story her son who was like four or five years old had been attending preschool and had just learned how to call 911 he picked up her cell phone and i don't know if she had a cell phone somehow she picked up he picked up a phone and called 911 and when they arrived she was she was literally dead and she has one of those death stories where you wow. know your body you're rising yeah. above your body mm-hmm. i mean she said and it's so clear to her i'm like yeah. oh my gosh wow. mary and if i didn't know mary for you know all these yeah. years i'd i'd maybe doubt her but mm-hmm. Um, so they and they brought her back to life. She lost one of her kidneys, and it really wrecked the, like her entire wiring of her body. Uh, her wow. heart it affected arrhythmia yeah. of her heart, uh-huh. and and it, it was a mess. But so twenty years later, uh, I just actually had dinner with her about three or four weeks ago. I went back to see my parents, and we had dinner together. And she was just telling me she had her. She's actually losing her other kidney, and oh, wow. she almost lost her life mm. last fall just in the in the trauma of it all. But mm. the point is, lightning. You know, some people can survive it. Most yeah. people don't survive. It. I, I've heard stories like that before, though. Yeah, where where somebody you know, they're dead or they appear to be, but but they can be revived. I think the point is when you're out fishing. Sometimes uh. I can be. Not arrogant or yeah. or cocky. I, I don't think of myself like that, but just like dismissive of how uh, serious it is. I know, and it's. I tell you what, anymore lightning is one of the things that scares me most because you can have like that lightning strike that that Mary faced. You can have. I've heard of that where, yeah, you, know, you have one little wispy cloud, you know, up above you, and you know, all yeah. of a sudden here's this random lightning strike. So. Yeah, you, you can never be too careful. I, I think that's one of the biggest dangers people forget about. Man, last year, my my brother Dave was uh, in Rocky Mountain National Park. It wasn't that long, I think, after we were there with him and, and did some fishing that he drove up with his, uh, with his daughter and her fiancé up on Trail Ridge Drive, and on the way back, uh, they saw emergency vehicles. There was somebody who had been struck by lightning. They just got out of their car and walked up to a, a an overlook, and yeah, that that happens. So, yeah, that's you know when it comes to safety. Uh, well, there are things you can huge. control and things you can't, yeah, right? right? I mean, the random uh, stuff that hit, I mean, the random lightning strike that hit Mary was you know out of her control. But I think 
it's just control the things you can control when you're yeah. in the outdoors and, and, yep. and, and managing that is an important yep. piece to that. So what else, Dave? What are some other dangers we face? Another is venomous snakes. Oh, thank you. Thank you for not saying poisonous so why, snakes. So why shouldn't I say poisonous Because snakes? there's no such thing as a poisonous snake. Uh, all these these snakes, though, that can, oh, can venomous really hurt you versus have venom. So, all yeah, right. I guess I'm just... You're nuancing something that... I'm just uh, grumpy or something. Yeah, you are <laughs> grumpy. Or grammarian or something. That, that's yeah. right. The, oh, uh, the school marm. All yeah. right, so I remember my senior year... We, um, again, high school class of 16, I think there were like eight of us. Half the class went to my grandparents' place. They lived along the Missouri River, about a few miles off the Missouri River. So we all went out and, and camped along the Missouri, boys and girls, you know. And, and uh, But in, in part of it was we, um, <laughs> I remember killing a rattlesnake was kind of the oh, big wow. event of the uh uh, big event of the weekend. And the girls loved you. Yeah, the they did, the right? right? We dangle it in I front of them. I know that's why you did it, Dave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but rattlesnakes, especially in Dakotas and in, in western yeah. Montana, well, eastern Montana for oh, sure, yeah. mm-hmm. and well, all over, but certainly yeah. in the west, and there's just yeah, so even, many rattlesnakes. Even in the Driftless, I've read there's some rattlesnakes. I'm always kind of uh, on my guard there. Yeah. And you, you get them back in the east. Coast yeah, as you got well. the Eastern Rattler East, out yeah. back there. Yeah, I, I remember uh, where we used to live uh, growing up near Morris, Pennsylvania. There's some good trout fishing in that that area, but uh, Morris, this little town, actually had an annual rattlesnake hunt. And I, one of my earliest memories at like three years old was was you know walking by this. It was probably like a it, then it seemed like it was the size of a tennis court. Probably wasn't that big, but here was this big you know, enclosure with, uh, you know, chain link fence around it. And here were all these snakes buzzing. And that they had collected? Yeah. Seriously? People would bring them in. And then, then I think they would, I don't know, they would collect the venom. And, uh, you know, for, I don't know, maybe early on, if I don't know that they ever killed the snakes. But but uh, eventually it, it all stopped anyway, just out of concern. But, yeah, people would do that. Oh, they would crazy. They would have the annual rattlesnake hunt. <laughs> anyway, I guess I'm digressing. You're hardcore but, at yeah. that point. But the point is you always have to be careful. Well, and in, in the East, too, I remember in Pennsylvania, uh, both my grandparents lived there. And on my one side, my mom's side, her her folks had a farm. And I remember uh, we were always warned about looking out for copperheads and even uh, water moccasins, cotton mouths, and Remember my grandpa telling us a story about a little boy who was fishing with his dad and in, in a little creek near, not too far from where they lived and, and they were fishing for you know sunfish and small rock bass yeah. and you know carp probably but uh, a little boy was complaining to his dad he says daddy you know they're they're fishing with worms they're bait fishing and Okay, if I tell a story. Don't about be judgmental a about the bait That's fisherman. Right. No, okay. I won't. I've done that before. Anyway, so this little boy is complaining, Daddy, the worm my worms are crawling all over me. And the dad looked over, Well, here are these baby copperheads. What? Yeah. Uh, crawling on him. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, you always have to be really alert and careful. Well, mid morning they like to sun, especially even like early in the summer where it's not quite as hot, especially mid morning they love to sun, yeah. you know, 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we talked earlier about in one of our previous podcasts about the bear trap, but when you walk back that oh, first boy. third of a yeah. mile, you look up, there's all these rocks and yep. you can even see them on sometimes as you as you walk yep. out. So, um, you know, rattlesnakes are just you just have to be alert. Now, 
yeah. you and I now carry, each of us carries a waiting staff, which is a good deterrent. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually never used it, you know, in defense no, of myself <laughs> or defending against a rattlesnake, but it's nice to have. You've tried to beat me up I, with exactly. it. Exactly. When I've run ahead of you to get to some runs. Exactly. But, uh, no, no, exactly. Dave. No, but, yeah. you know, I think, so what, what Steve, uh, you know, if you do get bit by a rattlesnake, what uh, what should we do? Should you take a knife and cut cut it open and suck the venom out? Well, if you get bit, I will take the knife and do the cut, and you can suck the venom out. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, Mayo Clinic, uh, this is what Mayo Clinic recommends. They they say to remain calm. Uh, never thought of that <laughs> yeah, one. Ooh, that's I might have got one. that one on my own. Yeah. yeah, remain calm and move beyond the snake striking distance. And that's Boy, from the Mayo yes, Clinic. That, that's right. <laughs> never would have thought of ooh, that. Ooh, those are good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. It's terrible. We're laughing about a very serious topic. But, yeah, I, okay, that's the obvious. But here's the good part. Uh, remove jewelry and tight clothing before you start to swell. So remove but, the yeah. bling yeah, and, and those and, tight and, blue jeans. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I hope you never get bit by a rattler. I do, too. Oh, gosh. We have to do that. Oh, this, is, this is terrible. This is, Dave, this is serious. Okay. Come on. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. Okay. But no, I'm, seriously. I'm, I mean, okay. think about it. If you get struck on your on your hand or, or uh, yeah, if your hand, I mean, get your, get your ring off. Uh, you know, you got a watch on, whatever it is. And then, and then I think this is really important. Position yourself, if possible, so that the bite is at or below the level of your heart. So don't go trying to prop your your leg up, your ankle up if it's if it's gotten bit, uh, you know, by a snake. Uh, clean the wound, but don't flush it with water. Uh, cover it with a clean, dry dressing. And then they say this: caution, don't use a tourniquet. That's good because sometimes that's been suggested. But don't use a tourniquet, nor should you apply ice. That's interesting. I, yeah. I don't ever remember. I mean, I don't get why. No, I'm not sure. We're not medical doctors, so we better not speculate. No. Uh, Dave's brother works at Mayo, so we, we yeah. can ask him. But he's a breast cancer researcher. Yeah, that's doctor, right. So. But anyway, take it from Mayo. Don't use a tourniquet or apply ice. And don't cut the wound or attempt to remove the venom. And that was, I remember Dave when I was growing up. I think I bought one once, these snake bite kits. Oh, really? Remember that? Yeah. We're, it's we're probably they... from an order catalog, like a catalog or <laughs> no, something I in remember, the back. I remember them in sporting goods stores, and I think it had like a little razor blade so you could make the cut, and then this little suction thing to, to suck the venom out. <laughs> like, oh, my word. Oh, my. So don't drink <laughs> caffeine or alcohol, uh, which could speed up the rate at which your body absorbs uh, venom. So, uh, so again, yeah. the old cut and suck uh, method is yeah, not a good way to it, go. Is that what you're saying? It is not a good way to go. Oh, good. I was wanna... never a fan of that anyway. No, no, that's right. Okay, so we, we've talked about lightning. We've talked about uh, venomous snakes, not poisonous snakes, but venomous snakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what other dangers do we have to think about, Dave? Well, we've done quite a few pieces through the years on waiting safety, but I think drowning, oh, you know, yeah. in the summer it's... just... You just yep. your mindset is different, and yep. at least mine can be. Uh, you oh, know, mine just too. Don't don't take risks. It's a greater temptation mm-hmm. in the summer when it's warmer, especially like when we're wet, wet waiting and and 
Um, yeah, in the winter. Risks. In the winter, you think, oh, I, I better not do this because if I you're fell in, cautious. I'd get hypothermia. So you're, yeah, you're more cautious. But summer's like, well, I can do this if I slip in, no big deal. But it can be. I think. I think so. You know, one of the things that you and I always do is we we have begun in the last few years. You started it, and and I'm a fast follower. Is is using a waiting staff? Yeah. They're great for warding off snakes, but they're really good for waiting, especially those bigger rivers. Right. Um, I find that I don't use my waiting staff as much in the driftless. You no. you tend to, but I but man, I tell you, in those bigger rivers in the West, I always, especially the Yellowstone, the Madison, the yeah. Gallatin. Uh, even the boulder. I mean, th- the boulder's hard to walk in. Yeah. Oh, it really is. It's almost is. as bad as the Yellowstone. Oh, I know. Those boulders are like, yeah, somebody said grease cannonballs. That's yeah, they're just exactly tough to walk right. on. So what what are some other tips uh, when it comes to wading? Yeah, you know, take small, short steps. And I remember learning that the hard way once trying to, you know, take a big step from point A to point B. Well, all of a sudden, you know, you're... You, you feel the force of the, the water at two places on your body where if your feet and your legs are, if your feet are close together, your legs are close together. And, but, boy, you, you spread them out, and it's like now you've got more area that's being uh, pushed by that uh, river. And, and it's harder than to keep your balance. So that's another one. Another is to point your feet down river when you do fall in. I remember once, uh, again, fishing the Yellowstone below Tower Fall. We were up probably almost, at that point, we were up almost the full four miles that we walk up. And I slipped, and I remember, oh, my gosh, the cold coming over the top of the waders, the shock. It was midsummer, but, um, and I remember, one, you're thinking about your, your rod and stuff, but it moved me down so quickly. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I'd like to say that I thought about putting my feet down river and it saved me. I don't even remember. I don't know how I Might got up. happened instinctively. I, I think that I think that kicks in sometimes. Yeah. Your instincts. But it is a good technique. Mm-hmm. Point your. I mean, it's hard to think when you're yeah. in that moment because the shock of that is just. Oh, un- yeah. It's it's just overwhelming. It really is. Yeah, and, and best thing to do is not to get in those situations yeah, as I best mean, you can just don't any, be stupid. anyway. I, and I've seen guys wading up to their, their chest. And now I, I always think, you got to be kidding me. I'll say this, though. I remember when we fished the Wyoming Bighorn uh, a few years ago with our friend Chaz that I, I was really impressed how even though that was a big river, it just seemed like, the, like it was sandier and just the the cubic flow cubic feet per second flow of that river wasn't as hard no, I, no, I no. felt a lot more comfortable standing up to my waist which I rarely do I just I don't like to get up above my thighs if I can help it but I had no problem there standing up to my waist because it was it was gentle so you have to know your river I might do it wet wading I don't think I'd go to my to the chest you know where- I don't oh, know. absolutely. And you know what? That brings up another important point. If you're using waders, you've got to use the wading belt. Yeah. Or two, uh, we've had some readers who have, uh, when we've talked about wading before, who've actually uh, used uh, two wading belts. Said yeah. They used two wading one belts. One at the waist and then one higher yeah, up. Yeah, one higher up. And the, the thing is, if, if, you're, if you're just wearing you know nylon shorts or pants and you fall in, okay, that's one thing. But when you have waders, if you fall in and, and they don't have a belt, they fill up with water. So now all of a sudden you, you've got this weight dragging you down. And so that's that's really critical. 
All right, so uh, drowning is another one of those risks, lightning, snakes, drowning. Uh, we've got to talk about bears, uh, don't we, Dave? We do. I know, you know, we always talk about the West because that's a lot of a lot of the places where we fished, and it's kind of home. Certainly was home to you for many, many yeah. years. And you don't have the grizzlies in Colorado, but in Wyoming, Montana, Alaska, yep. you have the brown bears. We do. Um, I tell you what, I think when you're in grizzly country, you should always feel this kind of restless sense of unease when you're in grizzly bear country. That's a great way to put it. And well said. You yeah. just, I think, I think it takes the edge off a day. Mm -hmm. It can, right? But yeah. you always have to think about. It. I remember walking yeah. into our fall one time. We come up over this, and we were trying to get back. You know, we always go back about three or four miles to fish before we even. Sometimes we don't even start fishing until we get about mm -hmm. three miles back yep. in. And seeing this what ended up being a stump, but yep. from a hundred yards away through this Boy. grass, this little yep. plateau, it looked like a bear. Remember that? Yep. And mm -hmm. we stopped, I think we stopped and waited like 15 to 20 minutes That's right. and watched it to see if it yeah. moved. And then Did it you didn't. unload your bear spray canister on that? No, <laughs> no I didn't. No, yeah, at a hundred yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly. <laughs> no, you didn't. I'll give you a little credit. No, but I tell you, it, it, it freaked us out. Yeah, the thing that you discover when you read reports or hear reports about people who have been attacked by grizzlies it, it's not grizzlies are not prowling around for the most part looking you know for uh, a human you know dinner or lunch uh, no that that may have been the case back in the, the 60s with some of the garbage bears in both yellowstone and glacier but no the bear attacks always happen because there's a surprise encounter so yeah you turn a bend and all yeah, of a sudden there you are and remember there was a, was a biker a uh, mountain biker um, Last you know, summer, wasn't Glacier, it? Or two yeah, summers who ago, was, uh, who was mauled, killed by a, a bear, and then, yeah, remember the Lamar fly fishers, Lamar River. Who, yeah, that was just a drainage over from us when we yeah, were fishing. And it was Actually, like about a, a week before, just a I week think. Before, yeah. or a week after, yeah, and and they just kind of stumbled onto a bear, and they were able to, uh, they were able to get it aware with bear. And they were able to get it away with with uh, bear spray. Weren't, wasn't that the year when we were fishing uh, near Gardner, Montana, and we came across that fresh oh, bear yeah. paw? Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, that was uh, that sobering. Was spooky because oh that gosh. thing, those things are so big. That that oh man, that paw print was yeah. so huge and was so perfect. It was so indented and it was fresh. It had been. I would say less than, what, six hours maybe? Oh, yeah, I know it. So well, what do you do then to stay safe in bear country? Well, the big thing, I think, is is making lots of noise. Yeah. And in our guide, Ben, in that first time that we fished that stretch of the Gardener, we, we were up there like at 6 or 6.30, so it was pitch black. We were trying to get there right at the early day, early point of the day to, to fish nymphs. And and we would we would yell as we walked into yeah. the and, and that was a bad area because it yeah. had all that low lying oh, brush, I know. a lot of brush, and trees. big sage brush. Yeah, it was so, really a bad place. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those places where you do come around a bend and it's easy to see yourself yeah. facing a grizzly bear. So making lots of noise. And it seems so counterintuitive when you're yeah. in the outdoors, And I know, right? we, we feel silly. You know, we're walking yeah. along, and all of a sudden... Hey, 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 hey! Yeah. Starts hey, bear, hey, bird bear. or something. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but yeah. yeah, make noise and avoid or be wary, so you know, in thick, yeah. brushy areas. Well, the other thing is bear spray. We need to talk about bear spray. We're, Dave and I are big fans of, uh, of UDAP, U-D-A-P. That's a brand name, but 
uh, developed by a guy in Bozeman, Montana. He actually got attacked by a, a grizzly. Uh, a few years later, I had a friend that I bow hunted with uh, right in the area where we had bow hunted. Uh, he took another hunter, and they got uh, they got attacked by a bear, and, and that bear spray uh, really saved their lives. But you have to use it right. So what are some things that we've... I'm going to say that we've heard. I was going to say we've learned, but we haven't learned them in the no. sense that we've had to no, practice no, no. them. But as we've as we've talked to some of the experts about this, well, there was a good article that you shared with us uh, recently. Shared with me recently about aiming bear spray down. That's right. It was in the Billings Gazette, Billings, yeah. Montana Gazette, so yeah. that the cloud reaches the ground. And I just and never heard, thought of that. I think we did hear that before. Remember, there was a guy in uh, Bob oh, Ward's yeah, in yeah, Bozeman yeah, 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 who yeah, said yeah. the same thing. He yeah. was a he was a hunter ed uh, instructor, and he had he had a lot of experience with this. And he said that's a big mistake people make is they they it's, it's almost like if you're aiming a gun and you're let's just say the bear's charging you and you aim at its head. Well, the the bear spray may may go over his head yeah because especially if it's moving towards you right and and then you know if there's this cloud and they get their nose on the ground well, forget it so you have to aim that bear spray down so the cloud reaches the ground yeah yeah yeah, yep. yeah yeah the other thing i thought that was really interesting about that article in the gazette was this idea of shoot it at 20 yards or roughly 60 feet yeah that's farther out than i think Yep. In other words, the bear's mm-hmm. that far away, as opposed to when he's right on top of you yep. or, mm-hmm. you know, 10 yards away. So it, it makes it, it's almost like preventative in some ways yep. for him to even, for it to even, to you know, to go any closer to you. So I, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. No, I, it's, it's true. But yeah, giving, uh, giving enough time to get that cloud of spray out there and yeah, those bears are so... Fast. They so are fast. Yeah, great... they can outrun a horse. Something. Uh, yeah. In the oh, short, in the can. short, uh, in short, short sprints. Distance. Yeah. Something that we haven't done yet, but will is is just practicing with bear spray. I know. We always say we're going to yeah. do this, but we really need to do yeah. it. And and we this guy that we had met in the in Bob Ward's who was a was like a retail, yep. support person, but he was so informative. He talked about. If you want to to practice with bear spray, take a canister that has expired. And I that's think- been our problem. Remember, the the bear spray that we've had, we we have to give it away before it gets expired. Or I think we may have a canister that we can practice on this fall. Is remember last year we we bought new yeah. canisters and then we didn't really need to. Right, we got to a place where we were staying. Some other friends, Kim and Gail, and they. Uh, they uh, stored this for us, and so we, we took the old bear spray because we were going to go out and try it and then looked at the expiration. like, wait a minute, we, we still have another year and a half on this. So what this guy said is get, get a, like a 13-gallon or 10-gallon or whatever, one of those garbage bags, like a, like a tall garbage yeah. bag that you'd use uh, in your kitchen and for your kitchen garbage. This is nasty stuff. This is yeah. so nasty. So actually put your hand in it so your hand is and then grab the canister and then spray the canister obviously you want to be so the canister you're not you don't want to be spraying into the wind that would not be a good thing um you'd be in the fetal position at that point um so once you're done spraying it and practicing it you can you can roll that garbage bag back up your arm and actually over the top of the canister and throw it away because even if you get a drop on you, it, it's something oh, that just yeah. stays with you. And, and yeah, and don't spray it right along a trail. Spray it where somebody's not going to be, because that 
that stuff is potent. I had have a friend in Montana that he was bow hunting once and he had sprayed it and he on the way in they had an old canister so he sprayed it just to try it and on the way out they could still smell it, it was still pretty strong yeah, I mean, it was like four hours i think later. that's why we probably haven't right actually practiced we yeah. really do need to yeah, do we, that yeah we do um, maybe we can do a video or something and, oh, man, yeah, and yeah post it or maybe not wow <laughs> uh, let's post it i'll uh, you pretend you're the bear <laughs> okay dave <laughs> Are you got your goggles on? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, but seriously, no. That's that's stuff's nothing to joke about. That it's, is it's, nasty, it's, nasty. It's business. mace on steroids. It really is, yeah. and uh, uh, you got to be careful with it. All right. So we we've talked about some big things, but there's a couple other little things that actually are big things as well. Well, one is twisted ankles, and oh, and yeah. we've all had them, and I think. I just think it, it ruins a, it, ru- it completely ruins a day of fishing. And even if you're uh, not, does. if even if you can continue to fish, you you know you just, you're just so t- it's so tender. So I, I uh. think what we always like to do is bring a two way radio yep. to, along with us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And because cell phones just aren't yep. enough. Hey, and that's one of the reasons why I I try to carry a waiting staff even in the driftless. The one time I didn't was a few weeks ago. Remember we were oh, fishing yeah. and and it was there was a little patch of ice on this little uh, not even a hill is probably an overstatement but it was it was this slope and i started up that thing and my foot slipped and i well it, it was a sprain it wasn't the side it wasn't the lateral sprain you know it was kind you of the roll front your and back. Ankle, it was yeah, a front yeah, yeah. And back and i can that still tweaked feel, it it yeah. did yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's thought, a nasty tweak and I thought about it later. I thought, man, the, the day after that, it was really stiff. I thought, I, w- I would have had a hard time if it felt like this. I would have had a hard time getting around uh, without having a waiting staff. Well, the so big worry I always have when we're out in the West is doing that. It's just yeah. a simple thing like twisting oh, your yeah. ankle to the point that you can't walk back. Well, what do you right. do when you're three, yeah. mm-hmm. three, you know, three miles back in? Or if, what, if, what if something happened four miles where we have to oh, come yeah. back down that cliff? Yep. So back to... Well, and I to, to kind of to butt in there, I, I I've shared this before, but uh, my brothers and I, or no, my sons and I were fishing in Rocky Mountain National Park. We were up at, I think it was Sky Pond or Black Lake. It's high up above, uh, up the Mills Lake drainage, and you had to climb up this waterfall. Uh, I mean, it's that was that was uh, it was challenging. It's not quite as bad or as dangerous as it sounds, but had to be careful because there were wet rocks and so we came back and here's a person who had uh broken their ankle it turns out and and they they had the 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 rangers were in there but there's no way that they could carry this individual out even on a stretcher because they had to go down this waterfall so they said there's a chopper coming so boy we hustled down that waterfalls as, as quickly as we could and uh, got to the bottom on the trail, and about then, here comes the waterfall, and or the waterfall, yeah. Here comes the helicopter, and they, they lowered a basket and put this injured person in and whisked them off. And I, wow. I, I thought, yeah, imagine the expense of that. Well, that's my question, yeah. is that do you have to pay for that? Is that part of... I, I'm guessing that you do. I'm not positive, but I don't want to find out. So yeah, that's bad, yeah. yeah. So... 
And the other, you know, others. Oh, yeah, and putting, I'm sorry, I keep butting in. I'm good at that, aren't I? I'm, you are just good like at when that. I'm butting in and running ahead to another run. Yeah. Hey, even putting some ankle wrap, I, I used to do that and I need to do that again, but having ankle wrap could uh, be the difference between being able to yeah, for sure. walk out or not. So, again, just to reinforce this idea of taking uh, two way radios oh, yeah. when you're actually walking in a ways, I just have found. I have AT&T, you have Verizon, and there's yep. just, I just don't get, I don't get coverage. I mean, you get with Verizon, you get coverage all the way I back I get better in. coverage, <laughs> you know, up above Tower Falls, up in the Yellowstone than I do out of my office in <laughs> in the north suburbs it's of Chicago. bizarre. Yeah, yeah bizarre, bizarre. I but know. Anyway. So, hey, one more real quick one is sunburn. It's, it's a quick one, but, uh, boy, don't take that for... Uh, granted, either sunscreen or I, I'm not a big fan. I just don't like the mess of sunscreen. So I, I wear long sleeves. All uh, gaiters. Yeah, the, the gaiter, the neck gaiter, which you can pull up over your ears. You know, a good hat, even a, even a floppy brimmed hat. Uh, I've seen people wearing cowboy hats. Say hey, that works as well because it keeps the sun off your ears. But uh, that's really important. Well, hey, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. David shared with us several adjustments he regularly makes. Here's his list. Going to a smaller tippet size on clear water under bright blue skies. Lengthening your leaders for dry fly fishing or shortening them for nymph and streamer fishing. He also said switching to a fly of a different size or color. Changing up the retrieve while streamer fishing. And varying the depth and weight while fishing nymphs. David claims that the endless adjustments you have you have to make while fly fishing is what makes it uh, such a fascinating, wonderful sport. And I have to say that we agree with that. For sure. And, yeah. and it's a difference between a one-fish day and a like an eight-fish day. It really is. I mean, I, I just recently in the Driftless, you know, making some of the adjustments that I made, I had, I finally went to this hare's ear. I keep referring to that, but man, did it work. Yeah. It's all about the adjustments. Sure is. Well, that's going to do it for today. Uh, what have you learned about fly fishing safely in the summer? That was our topic today. Hey, are there any other danger points we ought to identify or any other ideas you have? If so, please tell us by commenting on this podcast link. Our site is twoguysinariver.com. You can find us on all the social platforms. And if you'd like to send us an idea for a podcast, we need all the help we can get. Be sure to do so. You can do so at stevedave at twoguysinariver.com. And also sign up for our weekly email alerts in which you can receive all sorts of tips and hacks and our new fly fishing episodes as well as new posts. We also want to thank all of you who have purchased our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish. And if you have not purchased it yet, you can find it on Amazon. One last thing, continue to refer the podcast. It's how we grow. Word of mouth is just the best way to grow the grow our subscribers. So tell your TU chapter uh, or your fly fishing club or your buddy with whom you fly fish. And thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>